is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This week's episode is brought to you by American Crime. USA Today calls it reliably brilliant while the New York Times declares it has one of the best ensemble TV casts. The Emmy Award-winning series just wrapped its final and most critically hailed season with a 100% certified fresh rating from Rotten Tomatoes. Starring Felicity Huffman, Regina King, Lily Taylor, and Benito Martinez, ABC's American Crime for your Emmy consideration in all categories, including outstanding limited series. Hi, welcome to Remote Controlled, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On today's episode, we're talking about American crime with showrunner John Ridley and star Benito Martinez. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Daniel Holloway, senior TV reporter for Variety. And I'm Elizabeth Wagmeister, TV reporter for Variety. And we are here with Team American Crime, John Ridley and Benito Martinez. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. We appreciate it. Now, uh, to dive in, we actually wanted to start from the beginning Mm. and talk to you, John, about what you remember about creating the show and pitching the show all the way before... Season one. Well, to to be very clear, you know, when American Crime started, uh, I was in a very different place in my life. I had just finished shooting uh, a small film in Ireland about Jimi Hendrix, always by my side. Twelve Years a Slave. I don't. Th- well, I know it has hadn't come out, and I think it was maybe just being cut. So most people were not aware of it all. And Michael McDonald actually called me, and Michael McDonald is the other producer on the show. And he said, you know, ABC was, we were, uh, you know, as a, as a space, as a country, we were at the tail end of the, the Trayvon Martin trial where um, George Zimmerman had been exonerated. And there was a real feeling that um, issues of um, race and identity and interaction were at a, a real boiling point. There was a hope that maybe we were heading in a different direction. But ABC was very keen on doing a a, a limited series, a real limited series, sort of a, a, a single look at um, crime and these crimes that take on outsized significance in our society. Um, and originally they were interested in, in, a, in a court show and it was just going to be a limited series. And so when you ask about my memories, first, I had not worked in, in television and network television in a while. And to have a broadcast network call up and say, hey, we want to do something that's about race and really leans into it and leans into a lot of conversations that uh, as a country we don't necessarily want to have. So as uh, providers to an audience we had not, I don't think, had in a long while, my inclination was, A, this is not going to happen. B, I'm probably not going to want to do it. 
if I did want to do it, I doubt the network is going to want to do it in the way that I want to do it. And they probably don't really want to hire me. I, you know, Michael was being nice calling. There were just I, I wasn't who people may think I am now. Um, I hadn't done anything like this. Uh, I didn't think that I could do it coming off of two films, that one that I had written and directed, one that I had written, but both had been specs and been written exactly the way that I wanted to do them. I didn't think I'd want to come to, no disrespect to, to network television, but a place where it's just going to be copious notes and a lot of dictates and things like that that are just part of the process. You know, that's just the way it is. Um, and every step of the way, my expectations or my beliefs were completely upended. It was really about uh, a partnership with a network that was very committed to telling stories that were urgent and immediate and not represented elsewhere. And a big part of that then was representing characters that um, I just don't think had been on TV, certainly not in the near term. And in among them, of course, Benito, um, playing a very complicated family man um, who had immigrated to the country and always kept saying, you know, we did it the right way. We did it the right way. And these very potent conversations where, you know, even back then, this was three years ago, talks about immigration and identity, but people who were very calcified in their viewpoints about others and about other people and about um, what they represented, what other people represented and what those representations reflected on them. But to have a guy who was a, a family man, a widower, um, a father, a small business owner, um, who really believes that um, the law is colorblind and that they will, the law will see your kids as you know good citizens if you tell the truth. It was really, I mean, looking back on it, it was an amazingly complicated journey. Um, and I had no expectation, and among all those things, I didn't expect that you know three years later we would be sitting here, you know, with this show again with Benito playing a completely different character, but still at at the core, a father, um, someone who loves and cares and wants the best for his family, but have all those expectations completely upended. I mean, that's kind of it. But it, it was it was a lot because I I just did not. I mean, honestly. I did not think I would have the opportunity to do it three times, three different ways, certainly sit here with the two of you with the belief that this show, in and among 400 and some scripted shows, that we would be worth anyone's time and attention. So it's been very, very special. Do you worked with Michael before? I had not worked with Michael. That's very cool. I had not worked with Michael McDonald directly before. When I, I did a show years ago on the network formerly known as UPN, um, Michael was an executive at UPN, I believe, but we, we didn't. We had very little direct contact, if any at all. So no, he he just called because there was a script that I had written about the Los Angeles uprising that was called Let It Fall, um, which was different than the documentary. <laughs> but he loved it and just always thought that 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 writing was just so much like American Crime. It was about a lot of communities and nobody was really good and nobody was really bad and and um was based on true stories of the LA uprising but it was really based on that 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 he called and and honestly my agent said look you, you know they call you should take the meeting and i just thought you know they don't they don't know me they don't really want to do this I, nobody really wants to hire me i mean i really i'd been through a period where 
the things that I wanted to do didn't line up with where television was. And even three years ago, I mean, look, the rise of, you know, beyond cable. You know, there was cable and then there was beyond cable now. And ABC really wanted to, to be in that space. And I'm very fortunate to just have been part of it. Benito, how did you get uh, cast in the first season? Um, I was in the middle of a couple of different things, and I went to the primary audition. And I, remember, I remember reading the sides, and I go, oh, I like this guy. I get who this guy is. This is a guy who, to me... You knew guys ph- like that? Philosophically, absolutely. These are the real heroes that I always uh, miss on television. The parents who work every day, who get up and, and work for their kids and sacrifice that life so that their kids can go to school and have you know, food on the table and clothes on their back. And we don't see those people heralded as often as they should be, in my opinion. And I love those stories, that communication. And, and so when I read about this guy, I was... I won't forget it. John Ridley. And at that time, your name was barely, <laughs> <laughs> barely. You're being kind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because the Twelve Years a Slave was, you know, it was getting some steam. But you, you, it was just, I think, uh, Three Kings and yeah. something else. And and uh, did you work with Jennifer Lopez on U-Turn? U-Turn. Yeah. yeah. So I had because I followed Jennifer Lopez. I had known some of your work and and this this character. You, you get the sides. You read pieces of it. And, um. And it was going to be this, this show, so I'm, I'm reading it and thought, this is unlike anything I've read for in quite a long time. So I did the first audition um, with Kim's office, and yeah. there were like eight of us, all of us that you've known from every show before, and you go, oh yeah, it's yours, oh no, it's yours. <laughs> and, then, and then you walk away, and I, was, and I went to uh, Florida, I worked on a project there, and then I, it was pilot season, so I got called in for another project. Um, it was going to line up for me, but it was one of those detectives. I was the head back to the old Shield days, and Michael McDonald was executive producing on that show as well, that pilot. So when he saw that I was getting shortlisted for the callbacks for that, he called John. He said, uh, "So Benito, you liked him, right, for the dad?" Because yeah, I think he's being considered for this other show. So do you want to pull the trigger? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they called me while I was away for another audition, and I came back. I, I met Kim again. I went to ABC. Yeah. Didn't hear anything. And then a couple of days later, I had the pilot. I was like, what? Um, and he had added a scene for the second audition. That scene was where they take the sun away. You know, where I'm just trying to explain, well, what happened? What did he do? Tell him the truth. Tell him. Mm-hmm. Where are you taking him? And it broke my heart. It broke my heart in, the, in, in reading it, and it broke my heart in doing the audition. And, and uh, that's the last I remember. And then I was sent the script. Then the Oscars happened. <laughs> and, and that little, little, yeah. little oh my wife and I in the front room going this is crazy what yeah. and, and then he won and you were so amazing and so eloquent I'd never met John during the whole process and when you gave that acceptance speech it was incredible I Thank thought you. what a decent man I gotta meet this guy so the very first time I met John is after I'd been hired and I moved to Austin to do the pilot Walked in. It was the day after the Oscars. It was that Sunday. Monday yeah. you were there. And he was, hi, welcome. Congratulations on the Oscars, John. Thank you. Here's some cake. It was a <laughs> giant cake. The production was there. Yeah, they made me a cake. <laughs> they made you a cake. You're like, please help me. It was massive. And we, we, we served it up. We, I said my niceties. Uh, and then we sat down right away. Yeah. And just started talking about the characters. And It was the day after. It was literally, literally the, the day, day after. after. And he was still kind of like, okay, you're my third rehearsal today and then uh, we'll have them but he was there and he was present and um, 
I just knew it was a different journey from the from the first words of the first audition. Um, I just it, it all felt right right from the very very beginning. Now, at that point, was it intended to be a limited series or an anthology series? It was intended to be a limited series. I mean, it was, and I mean this very sincerely, and with all respect to, to everybody at ABC who had been amazing partners, I really don't think anybody really believed that we would get past the pilot. And everybody, you know, Benito, Tim, uh, uh, Felicity, Elvis, you know, Elvis I'd worked with before, Caitlin I, I hadn't known. They were all great. Everybody threw in, but there was always that sort of like, you know, you know this, is, this, this is nice, but it's <laughs> just not going to, it's it's not going to happen. And, and the further that we got into it, um, because of the shooting style, because of the grayness of it, because of, you know, people... We would play things, you know, crazy neutral. It wasn't like you'd have these moments. You know, we, we, we went to ABC and we said, we really want to write these scripts without act breaks. And I know for a lot of the listeners, they go, well, what's the big deal? You know, we see cable streaming. They don't have act breaks. You know, uh, network television is still predicated on the idea of, of we're going to have this five or six or eight minute run. We want to get to the end of it. We want to make sure that it feels potent enough that the audience is going to come back. That's very, you know, it, it makes perfect sense when you look at how it sure. plays on television. But we really wanted to go into it as we're going to write this as a whole. And because it's such an ensemble piece, and we ended up doing this a lot, we don't really know. This story, you know, we may have all of the family in the beginning. And we'll, then we're going to switch perspectives halfway through or when we get into the edit we may find that it works better when we really kind of parallel things and so initially you know obviously, well, I don't know if we want to do that and we're like no 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 trust us this is going to be really really good but there were just things along the way where we felt I mean look every development season it's not just about American crime you know sometimes people go hey we want to really want to load up on, on comedies this year it really feels like you know people are going to want sitcoms this year and they do a lot of them and they realize hey you know what our dramas turned out a lot better or we want to develop a lot of cop shows. That seems like the way to go. Oh, you know what? This one show about the guy who can you know, see the future, that actually turned out great. We're going to do that show instead. No one, no one really knows until everything is lined up and all the pilots come in. But there was this sense of really it was very liberating because you know, people really felt like, well, this is just it's, it's not going to fly. Um, and I really felt like going into it that there was just, you know, moment by moment, day by day, there were just days where we would do scenes and there was just, we didn't do a lot of coverage. And at first people were like, okay, well this, you know, you sure you don't want to get that? And then as we were getting into it, people, one of the things that I find that um, in television in particular, a lot of setups, and so actors, you know, they're, they're smart. They know that, look, we gotta, I can't give you 100% on every setup. So when you say to them, look, we're only going to do two setups, there's a different kind of energy where people know, okay, these, these two scenes matter. You know, these two setups matter. And uh, as we got into it probably, you know, early on, I think third or fourth day, people realized this is a really special thing. And maybe nobody is ever going to see it, but we're going to give everything we, we can into it. <laughs> Our first table read. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we had all landed. We'd all had at least a day or two of rehearsal with you. So yeah. by the time we had the table read, we all sat there in this tiny little room in Austin above the stage. And we all looked at each other. And there's Felicity playing this character. And there's Tim yeah. playing this character. There's Regina playing that character. There's Richard playing that. There's Caitlin and Elvis doing that. And you're going, these characters have never been seen before. 
and these this caliber of actor is breathing life into these words and we did it and the first thing he reminded us but also remember we're in somebody else's town we've got to be good citizens yeah let's and that was the first sentence that we had going into this journey so that was it so that created the tone we all went oh Good citizen. Oh, all right, all right, Because right. it wasn't about the party; it was about the work. It was. It wasn't about working, even working together. We all had to hold up our pillar. I never worked with Tim. I never worked with Felicity or Regina. You know, I had my unit; they had theirs. Elvis and Caitlin had theirs, um, and we were all made to feel feel that we were making our own show, which is tricky because you had all these massive pieces that you had to ship. And every time we had a table read, we always came around, oh, my God, I can't believe you had those lines. Oh, my God, I can't believe you're <laughs> doing that. And we were in shock. But the table reads were just these live performances with everyone. Yeah. That's the only time we got to see each other. Yeah, it was very odd. They have all yeah. these really wonderful actors, and they did not have scenes together. And it was a big show, and it worked, and this would affect that, and there would be these cross-conversations, and why are you doing this with my family when those folks are like that? But yeah, we, we just did not have scenes. And then over three years, we had these great actors who never had a scene together. <laughs> we don't see each it other at and parties. We're like, hey, you're so good. I like your show. This week's episode is also brought to you by How to Get Away with Murder. Oscar, Tony, and Emmy winner Viola Davis may have just had her most intense season yet as Annalise Keating in ABC's hit series. The AV Club says How to Get Away with Murder boasts one of the best ensembles in television, while Entertainment Weekly declares this season we're watching Viola Davis gun for her next Emmy. For your Emmy consideration in all categories, including Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series. Benito, who did you never get to share a scene with that you would have liked to? Not it didn't work All for the them. story, but that you would have liked to. <laughs> All of them. I would have loved to had a uh, had a, a, a go at it with Lily, or Tim, or or Felicity, or even Regina. And and I I was very fortunate because and, um, probably more than the rest of the actors, I got to work with a lot of local talent, no matter where we were. And when I did this third season a lot of wonderful Latino actors who probably don't have a long resume at all brought their A-game and their heart. And we did some incredible things, not only that made me proud as an actor and and, and proud of Latino actors, but that we embraced what we were doing to represent a culture that's a big part of the Latino culture uh, with respect and dignity. You know, these pickers, you know, they are often invisible people. And we as actors made a a conscious choice and the, the perfect people were hired, Kim, Got to always give yeah. props to Kim. Our Kim Coleman, cast. our casting director. Uh, and these guys just came in. You know, it was difficult stuff. And they came in with their heart and their talent and their abilities, and we just knocked it out of the park. And, you know, it's just it, I, that I learned so much because as a – and in the first season, I had Johnny. I had no idea who this kid was. Oh, yeah. And he is a live wire, and, and, and he was already a live wire. And – I'm sitting there going, what am I going to do with this guy? <laughs> but that's the thing. I don't have to do anything. We exist. He is my son. And that was the thing. And then my incredible daughter, Glenda Leeson, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's great. And I'll tell you, the the thing, you know, we got to the end of the first season and we really thought, you know, again, we just, okay, it was, it was wonderful. We've got this far and it was done. But there's a moment where 
Lindley's playing your daughter where you have to let her go and she wants to stay. I mean, it's just, it's, you, you almost can't, you know, you, you put a father and a daughter, you put a father and a child together, you almost can't, you know, lose. You put two really terrific actors who have spent, you know, 13 episodes, you know, really, and really, you know, Benito, amazingly trained actor with this young girl, and I'd, I'd done a pilot with Glenda Lee's and, and Elvis, and it didn't go, and that's always heartbreaking. So you've been on that end of it where you, you get some actors together who you really love, and it doesn't go. So to reach the end of a series where you have these actors who you love, and now you have this opportunity to have the scene, and that was another space where we had these setups, we did it, and I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm sitting there watching it, and we have this really nice two-shot, and I think I was talking to him, and I was kind of, I was saying, I was sort of like, okay, let's just rehearse this a little bit. I just want you guys to play this a little bit. We had it set up as a two-shot, and they went through the scene, and I said, just do it one more time, one more time, and they did it, and I said, okay, that's it, let's go. And I don't think you even knew we were rolling. Mm -hmm. We didn't. They didn't. <laughs> we didn't. It was, I'll never forget it, because we were, we, we were down to the last episode, working with John in the third season, and Glenda Lee and I just had really hit it off. She was such, just amazing. Very dedicated to her craft and everything else. We were, we had this scene where she's saying goodbye, and I'm like crying, oh, why are you leaving me? Oh, my child, why are you going? And she's like, but I must, Father, I must. Um, so we come out, and we show John, he goes, let's just run the lines and we're going oh I believe me I must he goes oh uh, no 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 <laughs> did I write that no I didn't mean to write that oh yeah I think uh, I cut a bunch of stuff and um, it reminded me of the whole Chekhov scene when he Chekhov when he first saw the cherry orchard and everybody was very dramatic he said I wrote a comedy <laughs> <laughs> what are they doing <laughs> and that's what you said he goes no no it's, this is I can see what you're doing but this is a happy scene yeah and we looked at each other happy he goes you're happy to say goodbye because you've done well so he says, why don't you just sit down? And we had a big camera here and a low camera here, and he's got his, his uh, camera that he uses in his hand to look through. And so I just sat down. He goes, just start with sitting, and we start talking. I start listening to this girl, and she's listening to me. And, and the only note was that you're happy. And we start, it's a whole different experience. Like, oh, you, you're going to do that, really? And who's this boy? And we're laughing. We start laughing. He goes, okay. And he brings a camera and moves it over here. Let's do it again. Do what again? Just run the scene again. So we ran the scene again. And he stands up and he goes, we could shoot it a thousand times. That's not going to get any better than that. We got it. Got what? <laughs> We're like, that was our third rehearsal of the, the new place. And, and, and he goes, no. And we walked away. And I remember you left. You had another set to go do. And Glenda Lisa and I are just you know, we're sitting there kind of going, um, that was weird. And then we were checked in with ourselves and went, that was awesome. Yeah. And the first time I saw it was on an award show thing we were doing. And you're like, hey, this is the scene. I look up. Oh, my God. It started <laughs> so <laughs> beautiful. It was, I, I would, I don't do things like that to necessarily trick the actors, but there are moments that are, um, there's a, an unawareness sometimes, and things are happening. And we had, you know, that the camera was on a crane because we were going to do all this stuff and all that. And I'm sitting there. It's just, even for me, I go, this, it's not about a crane. It's not about a move. It's not about, it's about a, a father sitting with his daughter. And they, you should, it, the frame has to be the two of them, and there's no coverage. And there's something that you threw in at the very end. Your mother would be so proud. 
um, because it's about a father who's a widower, and that was not scripted, and you just threw it in. So I'm like, I can't. Also, saying, hey, do that line again will never be as good as you just in the moment going, here's what I'm thinking, here's what I'm feeling. So there are moments, you know, just where yeah. you go, the, the, what, the, what the actor is doing here is so much better than any other thing that I'd had planned. And we had plans, but all those things have to go out the window. But they can also only go out the window when you know what the plan is. And to me, that's always very important to go. Everybody's got to know the plan so we know where to depart, where we know this thing that's happening in front of us is what we need to focus on. Um, I don't believe, you know, I tell actors, you know, people always come, whether it's the actors or production designers or folks, they're, they're so energized to give their best yeah. that you have to be able to look them in the eye sometimes and mean it. That it's, I'm telling you, it is not going to get better than this. Well, like and if I thought things, it would, I would tell you. Like when I got, would get mad at my son, I would call him Antonio. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because his name's Tony, mm -hmm. and, and the first time, like, oh, his full name? Oh, yeah. That's a father thing. But that, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and she was like, Glenda Lista, she goes, Dad, I got this. That wasn't script. I'm like, I got uh, yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there was a, but, the, but all of us did. I remember going to watch Tim film a scene in, in the first season, and he was painting the room for his son. Uh, they were, he was going to move into his son's mm -hmm. abandoned space. And we were just filming this moment. I had a similar thing where I was painting the whitewashing. Yeah. And I was being whitewashed and I had paint on me and it was this like psychological like, oh crap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, literally, I literally am whitewashing myself. And there was an echo moment with another character and he's washing and he's getting the house ready and he's in a great space. And I remember going to watch that filming. Uh, and, and I watched when, um, you know, uh, the, the daughter, she takes her first steps, and I watched when Felicity had her first moment in the morning. So I would go watch these fabulous actors, and every time it wasn't like we're filming and set up and roll the camera and take two, and it, it was all about what's the communication, what's the issue, how do we capture that, and very carefully we always make sure to get this real rhythm, mm -hmm. which we can't say enough about Ramsey, who was also a big uh, component yeah. about that, who would just light it raw, light it in a we, not, we didn't look like models on this one, <laughs> no. but we were real people in real situations, and I think that's what stuck, stuck with the audience. Yeah. And I yeah. remember watching, I mean, from the first moments of the first season, exactly what you just said. It didn't look like anything that you had seen on TV and certainly not broadcast television. Well, that was, I mean, as, as Benita was saying, you know, we would use situationally appropriate makeup. Mm -hmm. So when Felicity showed up as a mom in great distress... Um, about losing her son, it's not like she's wearing uh, television-heavy makeup, mm -hmm. um, and that was the thing that we would we would do is just try to break people down to their essence and who they really are. Um, I think when Regina came on board and she's playing a Muslim American woman, which looking back on that, you know the fact. I mean, we were trying to portray a, a, a devout Muslim American individual. Now, I hate to say it. Um, it would be even more provocative. But to have Regina, who has been performing for, you know, she's been on television maybe 30 years, literally grew up in television films, to have her reduced to, and I'm, since we are on a podcast, but, you know, essentially as she's wearing a hajib, you know, you see her eyes. And she's a very uh, humble person. You know, she has this speech the first time we meet her about, you know, giving away things and not being uh, a, a, a slave to debt and to money. But her whole, all of her is in her eyes. 
um, you know, uh, you know your your son. You know, this kid. He's literally a kid with braces. You know, which on television, like, oh, you got to get a brace. You can't have braces. You know, the, you know. But I'm like, kids have braces. That's you know, every everything about it. People really came into it saying, how can we really reflect in all ways? You know, the the reflect, embrace, extol uh, the everyday. Everyday folks, you know, these were not folks with means. We were set in Modesto, California. Uh, people were raw. Their language was raw. It wasn't raw in, you know, laying out profanities. But the way that folks would talk about other folks, you know, those people, everybody had issues. And Richard Cabral, you know, was amazing. You know, he Why had this, you got to shoot me? Oh, oh, that was, <laughs> you know. So that was another space where we had this, you know, kind of these things written out. And Richard, that was his story. You know, that was literally... His story, a guy who'd been incarcerated, a guy who'd been in gangs, a guy who said, I don't want that for my life anymore. I want something else. And Richard came with this rawness, and we had these things, you know, uh, you know, why do you got to shoot me? Why do you got to shoot me? And it was not in the script. You know why you had to shoot me? Because you don't give, can I say, can I use sure. str- strong language? Um, you know, you, don't, you know why you shot me? He's saying this to the police officer finally. He's in pain. He's saying, why do you got to shoot me? Why do you got to shoot me? And then he finally realizes, you know, the self-realization. You know why you shoot me? Because you don't give a shit about me. And that was not in the script. And Richard was just kind of around and had these kind of lines. And it was just, it was there and something that he was saying. And it was, okay, everything else needs to go out of the script. I think if there was one space in my life where I've improved, it's less about, you know, you're young as a writer. That's all you have is your words on the page. And that becomes scripture. Not just the script, it becomes scripture. And it's a lot of, no, I think it's written uh there, so I think we want to go back. Yeah. And, yeah. We, gotta, we need to get the uh <laughs> there. I know it was three pages of dialogue, but you missed the uh. <laughs> and just, you know, hopefully as I've matured as a person, as I've matured as a writer, and just as a, a matured as a storyteller, you realize that the story is not just the words on the page. What is the performer doing? What are they passionate about? If you're so worried about hitting that one word that you're not allowing passions and you know it's no good to try to make somebody say something you know i don't believe in ad living but at the same time if there's something going on you got to give that space and then when you're on the set with you know five six seven eight great talented you know people who've been doing this their lives you got to step back and go okay what's going on here that's what we need to focus on and every one of these individuals brought their, you know they invested themselves in these characters to the point that they were, you know, there was a reality that was going on, and then it was just about shooting these realities. Uh, it, as a writer, it, you know, what you've been able to create is a world. I mean, my character in the third season hardly speaks. I'm a fly on the wall. I'm watching what other people do, and I'm seeing what they're thinking and what, what I'm trying to figure out. You know, um, when Connor has his great speech about, yeah, I died and I came back to life, yeah. and, and Richard says, and you're proud of that? Yeah. You know, it's not a lengthy speech about this. Then it's a direct examination of two different opinions about this stuff. It's it's just so simple, and it's and it's you know deliverance, and you know you you know who these characters are, mm-hmm. and again they're not seen on TV. They, they're you know they're not cardboard cutouts of somebody else else's idea of what these persons should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We found out that the third season is going to be the last. And like you just said, this is not something that we see on TV a lot. Characters of their stories are this rooted in reality who are approached in a very naturalistic way. Yeah. 
Do you think there's space on broadcast TV for shows like this anymore or right now? You know, look, it's a tough time. ABC, they ended up taking a continual bet on the show when I don't think other people would have. I don't know what other, and I'm not saying this as an indictment to other networks. I've I've had great relationships with other places, but I don't, I can't imagine this show existing on another broadcast network. But I have to be honest, I, I don't know. I think maybe a little bit more now, but three years ago when we started, you know, did you see this kind of show on cable? Did you see this kind of show on streaming about exceptionally ordinary people? It was not, we did not have these outsized moments. Um, we did not solve the crime at the end of it. Um, we did not, you know, as, as Benita was saying, you would have these characters who never met. I mean, they were really in their own spaces. So I, I, I don't know. And look, I mean, where we are right now, I, I get that people come home at the end of the day. They really want to be entertained, you know. So in terms of what broadcast needs to do, and I think, unfortunately, you know, broadcast is, you know, they, they're playing by other rules that are still heaped upon them. And I think in some ways very unfairly still. Um, but if you're not getting some X amount of people and, and, and then being able to show other people that we got X amount of people, you know, again, and I'm not saying this to indict, but these are the rules that are being played by, you know, there are other content providers. They don't ever have to, to explain you know how many people are watching or what the metrics are or what the metrics for success are so the fact that abc was willing for 3 years you know it's not an inexpensive proposition to do a show sure. like this because every year for us also was a pilot so we didn't amortize the show you know the way other shows have the opportunity to say hey we're going back to the hospital set or we're going back to the precinct you know, we went from, one, you know, first season sure. in Modesto where we, we had no sort of shared space. Second season was a private school, so we, we had a bit of a shared space. And then third season we went from, you know, tomato fields to furniture stores to, you know. The glamorous houses. Yeah, very nice houses, very nice setups. You know, Regina's character was a social worker, so we're going to um, – uh, you know, the sort of shelters, shelters and, and porn house. Yeah, I mean, yeah, webcam mm-hmm. house. So this is a show that was really all over the place in terms of the environments that we wanted to show because there was just a connectivity. So I don't, you know, the question, I, I don't even necessarily know it's purely about appetite. Um, I or, think there is. I think you there look, probably if, is. You look but at I, all I just, the news programs. Yeah. They're, they, they have a special segment. Let's follow this family and see what happens when their son got arrested yeah. and they lost their money and they lost their insurance and everything else. These are human stories that we care about. These yeah. We care about this. That's us yeah. that we're, we're talking about and who we're talking to. Um, I think that when this show is seen without the commercials because it feels like a film every episode, yeah. you know, uh, that's why when it's rebroadcast on Netflix or whatever it's called, when it's streaming on Netflix, people... Yeah get attached to it because it feels like a movie that they, that in an eight you hour movie you see it in its fullness it, right. in that regard when you have it on ABC and no disrespect I get but they have to but at the bottom of a heavy scene you're like you're dancing with the stars next that was <laughs> always the hardest <laughs> you're like, what? Was, and then, and was, you know you, you, you shoot these things and I didn't go home and watch Diligently, my wife would watch, and every time you you kind of walk in the room, and there, there's these lower thirds, and just going, oh jeez, God, <laughs> yeah, in okay. the middle of a dramatic scene, some guy spinning and doing it for the, oh, hey, God. don't forget, totally. So the, uh, the nice so thing I, is, yeah. is that there is space I think in the big modern appetite. world. I think people love it for that reason. Yeah, where we can see it. 
But the audience that we've had and the the nice thing about broadcast is, you know, we would still on a weekly basis, just by dint of being on broadcast, you know, four and a half million people, you know, watching and then your plus threes and your plus seven. So, you know, if we hadn't been on streaming, yeah, maybe we we would have more longevity. But, you know, the the bar then for success is lowered in some way. So it's just, this is the world that we live in. And to have had, to gone from a space where you said, look, we're doing this and we're doing it because we like what we're doing, but no one's ever going to see the pilot. Mm -hmm. Or if we do it, hey, it's great, it's a limited series. To get that call and people say, hey, you know, we really want to do this again. And then at the end of the second season, we were sure there was no way. There was no way. And I was doing a pilot at ABC. And I'll say, and I thought for sure I, th- that that pilot was going to go. The female detective. The yeah. presence yeah. with Stephanie Sigmund. I had, there was no way that was not going to go. American Crime, two great seasons. It's all going to be a present. And to get that call, we say, hey, we're really, really sorry. Presence isn't going to go, but we're going with the third season of American Crime. And I said, so you're going with the pitch about <laughs> field labor, forced labor, not the snazzy, sexy show with Stephanie, who's just a star, star, star. Mm-hmm. I was I was stunned. So to get at three seasons, I think is has been absolutely amazing and very appropriate. I think we're we're you know if this is truly the end, um, it, to go out on a you know as we went around and we're doing the screenings for this season, people had an emotional response that I thought I just. You know, story-wise, because these stories are so heavy, it's not like, hey, we topped second season, because in some ways, topping it means we're going to a more emotional place. But to have people come to us and say they felt something or saw something or, frankly, look at the food on their table in a way that they had not before, um, that has been very, very special. Well, to wrap up then, you said if this is truly the end, is there any chance that we could see more American crime elsewhere or in the future i mean look we live in a in a space where people are watching full house <laughs> again <laughs> yeah again and i don't say American that they're very similar shows <laughs> but you know yeah. I, i'll be honest <laughs> to be in a space where people to me the people were kind of like you know oh, full house but i said look if if, if we live in a, in a world now where there is an audience for fuller house and that audience can be satisfied all I know is that that then will allow us, if it's not American crime, something else that's equally as challenging. Or it's about, hey, our metrics show that there are eight people who want this show, but they're going to keep their su- subscriptions because we have it. That's a, that's a better world. So I think there is an opportunity. I'm not going to say, like, oh, I have inside everybody. There's going to be more American crime. But I think there's an opportunity for us to be able to do shows where we challenge people. Frankly, we confound people. And that's one of my big enjoyment of, of doing the show where, you know, people, oh, you never, you know, that's not going to last. You're not going to be there. Well, you know, look at that. We, we did it. And we did it in a way, where, you know, people, you know, whether it's American crime or this is us, you know, that opportunity to say broadcast is not done and don't take it for granted and don't take the size of the audience for granted. Um, that makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. So I'm very happy for what we are able to do. I do think. Again, I'm not saying literally as American crime, but yeah, there's always the opportunity um, to tell these kinds of stories, to partner with terrific performers, uh, to represent ways um, that have not been represented. I will say this, my biggest regret or concern about not returning, and Michael is Michael McDonald has always been very proud of this, the majority of our 
directors, the majority of our producers, the majority of our post-production staff, the majority of people who are in critical decision-making positions on American crime have been women or people of color. So, you know, um, I'm from the, the moment I got out to L.A., that has always been my primary driver. I will say, you know, starting out, it was my primary driver because that was me. But as I've gotten older, it's my primary driver because I want to make sure that people who are not represented, you know, when I'm gone, this may be the, this may, you know, I don't know how many years I have left, but I look at how many people came through American crime who now have a very substantial show on their resume and have moved into other spaces. We're very proud of that. So I, I hope that in not being around other shows, and I say this very directly, um, if you're hiring people from your own background, uh, your own worldview, your own experiences, you're not doing enough. So, you know, let that let that be our like be limited for sure. Yeah. It takes it takes a lot of um self assuredness and, and uh, humility to be able to invite other people of their professional level uh and say, Go ahead, be your best and I'm I'm not gonna take credit for your work. I support your work because I've got enough credit of my own. And that's what it's like working for John. It's a simple thing. He just looks you in the eye and he says Give me your best, and I'll give you mine. And that's what we do. And it's just been like to boil it all the way down. And and um, it's 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 the simplest and yet most difficult thing to do. Thank you guys very much. Thank you both. Deeply appreciate it. Thank you Thank for you. three fantastic seasons and for your work both in front of and behind the camera. Thank you very much. And thank you, Benito. It's been great. Thanks for listening to today's show. We'll be back next time with another great episode. We'll be talking about the final season of The Leftovers with Damon Lindelof and Justin Theroux. See you next time. This week's podcast was brought to you by the Emmy-nominated comedy series Blackish, starring Emmy nominees Tracy Ellis Ross and Anthony Anderson. The critically acclaimed comedy series just wrapped a third season with creator and executive producer Kenya Barris, tackling the recent presidential election, the birth of a new child, and the send-off of another to college. For your Emmy consideration in all categories, including outstanding comedy series. As The Atlantic says, it's not just TV, it's art. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.